Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to the Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. I'm telling you, it's it's one of the most heartbreaking things that I never thought about. But when my now seven-year-old and nine-year-old kids, you know, came home from school when they were like in kindergarten and second grade a couple of years ago, um, you know, and they came home talking about the lockdown drills that they had to do, I mean, it hit me like a bag of bricks. Like, I didn't have to worry about that when I was in school. You know, people who went to the Blazers championship parade in 1977 didn't have to worry about, you know, somebody pulling out a gun act of terrorism or not when someone pulls out a gun at a parade that's an act of terrorism uh ann killian is a columnist of the san francisco chronicle she had a great tweet today at 151 Anne, who i is i think is one of the best people in sports media one of the best people i ever met in a press box she says i wrote a 49ers column started rewriting it due to the steve wilkes news wilkes was fired by the niners defensive coordinator saw the kansas city news and now, just don't feel like doing anything but being sad about our country. Ann Killian of San Francisco Chronicle joining us now. Thank you for that tweet, Ann. Oh, how are you? I'm all right. I mean, I'm just tired of this stuff happening, and I feel helpless to stop it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really um, every big gathering, every joyous occasion, every everything we do in life in America um, – this hangs over our head and I think we're kind of fooling ourselves if, if we think it's not. I am, um, you know, I spent the whole uh, week last week right next to Mandalay Bay. And, you know, I mean, that casts a shadow um, over that whole town. And I don't think that there's, you know, I think you're crazy if you didn't think about it when you're going to Allegiant Stadium or going to the, um, you know, the NFL experience or any of those things with masses and masses of people. Um, I talked to Eddie DeBartolo, the former owner of the 49ers, and he wasn't coming to the event. We were talking about why mostly, you know, his, his knees aren't doing well. But he said, you know, also it just seems like, like such a target kind of event. I have grandkids and I'm so worried about them for them every time they go to anything. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, thanks for telling me that at the Super Bowl, Eddie, where I am and you're not. But um, I think it's just something that we, you know, it's just it's just there all the time. And and nobody, you know, until our elected officials have the balls to do something about it, um, you know, we have to live under this threat. And, you know, don't don't tell me that more guns are the answer, because there were 800 armed police officers at this event this afternoon. Yeah, it's uh, you're right. When I go into a movie theater, I look around. When I go into a shopping mall, I am all, I am the diligent one in our family, kind of checking everybody out. And and I got to be honest with you, Anne. Like I've been at a, a lot of stadiums where the national anthem's playing, we're all quiet in the press box, and I it, the thought crosses my mind. And I've never told anybody that before saying it right now. The thought crosses my mind. Like I hope everybody's safe today. Yeah. Yeah. And at some, you know, I, I don't know if the Blazers uh, do it at their games, but at Warriors games, you know, they shoot off indoor fireworks during the anthem. And I flinch every time because, you know, it's it's a little scary. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Um, I think, you know, the fact that a whole bunch of really popular high profile athletes in a state like Missouri um, might have some super strong feelings about this right now, uh, you know, weirdly helps because it takes people, you know, in, it doesn't take me in, in the, the San Francisco Bay area feeling lousy about this. But, you know, it takes uh, the will of the people in in those states where they want to pretend that, you know, thoughts and prayers are going to cure this or more guns, you know, arming teachers, things like that are going to cure this. It's, you know, we got to we got to have I mean, we, we know what the numbers say. We know what the American people think. Um, it's just got to kind of get down to electing the, the right people. And Killian, San Francisco Chronicle columnist with us. And take me through your day, because you start off, you say you're writing a Niners column. Then Kyle Shanahan calls a news conference, announces he's firing his D coordinator. And then the Kansas City shooting at the parade happens. And, you know, just go through kind of the range of your work day there. Well, I had been at their press conference yesterday. They're Kyle and John uh, Lynch's, uh, they're kind of end of the end of the con- end of the day press. I mean, end of the season press conference she's very grim very sad um and uh because of circumstances both with you know work production at our place and and various things i wasn't going to write anything until this morning so i I wrote my old column and then wilkes got fired so then i was thinking well i gotta go back in and rewrite it and um i was kind of going to make you know Kyle hadn't watched the game yet. Instead, he'd watched Griselda, and I don't know if have you been watching Griselda on Netflix. It's um, <laughs> it's about a a uh, a drug lord, a female drug lord who takes out ruthlessly takes out all her opposition um, with violence. And so I was gonna like kind of like make a play on use that rewrite my lead with that stuff. And um, I just when I heard the Kansas City news, I'm like, you know, there's no time to be making jokes about. Um, anything and that was another thing you know I mean whenever you uh, are covering a team and they go through something like the 49ers went through on Sunday you know you use words like heartbreaking and anguish and um, you know I I very much always avoid the word tragedy but sometimes you see that popping up in people's columns or stories um, which I disagree with but but you know, you you use words like that about human emotion, and and that's not to, it's not to deny that those aren't there. I mean, this, it was a very emotional loss for that that team. But then something like this happens today, and you just you know kind of puts everything in perspective. Like, you know, there's no anguish like what the parents of those nine children who are in the hospital are going through right now. So yeah, and Killian with us, a San Francisco Chronicle. Yeah, you're so right. I mean. I had people after Washington lost the national championship football game or the 49ers lost say, like, how do I cope with this? And and I and look, I love sports. I grew up with sports. You grew up with sports. We work in sports. And um, I don't know if being around it more has desensitized me a little bit. But I always think like, gosh, what an amazing season the 49ers had. What an amazing season Washington had to get that close. Yes, is painful, but it's a lot less painful than like the Blazers season this year. And. And you're right. the The framing of what happened today in Kansas City certainly puts it all in perspective. Um, the the Niners, like the Wilkes thing. Did you get the sense earlier in the year that Shanahan had kind of hat run yeah. its course with Wilkes? Yeah. That so you know all the stuff you're seeing on on 
social media right now about, oh, what a scapegoat. Oh, my God, it was the defense wasn't the reason they lost the game. This was coming. Um, you know, it wasn't a good fit. He, he came out of a different system. He didn't run the system that Kyle wants to run, that, that Robert Sala ran, that the, D'Amico Ryans ran. Um, it was kind of a bit of a reach to begin with. Um, he, you know, his expertise is defensive backs. Their strength is the front seven. Um, you know, the whole, he's a, he's, he seems like a great guy. And I didn't really get to know him very well, but you know, he's, he's a really well-respected man, really uh, terrific um, kind of a leader, but, but very different from the other guys, the two he succeeded. And um it just seemed like a bad fit. We had the whole debate about, oh, my gosh, is he going to, you know, stay up in the booth? Is he going to come down on the field? You know, just kind of a nonsense debate. But you could tell that by the fact that even became an issue of where he was going to coach from during games, that there it was kind of a weird fit. Nick Bosa kind of threw him under the bus, to be quite honest, you know, of, of all the things that were said uh, after the game, Bosa saying they weren't prepared for Mahomes on either of his keepers um, was kind of one of the more startling things. So I think, um, and and the way the defense played in the other two playoff games, uh, you know, it's a very, it was the number one ranked defense, I believe, last year, or at least in most categories. And they got, you know, should have gotten even better this year because they had Hargrave and they just, they got, they weren't as good um and then in big moments, they were really not very good, like the, you know, the first half against Detroit, um, much of the Packers game. So, yes, did they, did they play, you know, the Super Bowl might have been their finest moment, at least in regulation. But um, you could tell also, I don't know if you remember in the, in the overtime, uh, Tony Romo was circling where the, on his telestrator where, the, where all the DBs were lined up. And he said, oh, no, they're going to do that again. And then Kyle called the timeout. So you could, you know, it was happening in real time for the TV viewer that Kyle was unhappy with what the defense was doing. And so that was another kind of a big, a big uh, tell. Um, I I think this might have happened even if they had won the Super Bowl. There might have been like an agreement of parting of ways because it just, it was kind of an awkward pairing. I look, look at the window and everyone talks about the window to win. Uh, most of the core of this roster will be back, but do you get a sense this Niners team, will they be back next year, focused, locked in, maybe improved in in certain positions, or is there a threat here that this is as this is the ceiling for, for this team and, and this coach? Well, well, I certainly don't think it's the ceiling for this coach. I mean, he's 44 years old. He's one of the best, I mean, he's one of the best coaches, you know, in, in football without a doubt. Um, I what I think is going to be hard is these have been emotional gut punches um, four out of the last five years, really tough ways to end seasons, and this was the toughest one of all. And people said, you know, why? Why in the, in the press conference yesterday? Why? Why is this the hardest? Well, you lost the Super Bowl in overtime. I mean, that is brutal. There's only been two Super Bowls that went to overtime, and Kyle Shanahan has been on the losing end of both of them the first time as the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Um, but so I just think it's so emotion. It's emotionally hard to get up and do it all over again. You know, every, 
a lot of things went right for them this year. They didn't have a lot of super serious injury problems. Obviously, the Greenlaw thing in the in the Super Bowl was terrible, but but they, you know, it's just so hard. It's such a long season, and it takes so much that um, it's it's not so much their talent level because I think most of the core will be back. I think it's gonna the team will look an awful lot the same. But I think it's just the emotional toll that it takes year after year. Um, and I do, th- I do think Kyle Shanahan will will win a Super Bowl. Um, I think he's he's I, the whole he can't win the big one. I think is a little bit of an unfair rap. I mean that's that's the world, you know, that's the way it is. And he has had some kind of spectacular losses on the big stage, but you know they were right there and. They were going up against the best quarterback in football, and you could just tell by the faces of their offensive players on the sidelines that it was inevitable. They they, they just kind of knew what was going to happen when Mahomes got the ball in his hand. Now, should he have, you know, I don't know how where you come down on the whole, do you take the ball first in overtime debate? Um, I kind of think you don't want Patrick Mahomes to know exactly what he needs to do to beat you. <laughs> right. But I also but, – but I also – fully envision Patrick Mahomes getting the ball first, going down and scoring a touchdown, and then you're asking Brock Purdy to, to go match the best player in the game. And I think that's, you know, that that's a pretty hot, tall order too. So, yeah, I I don't know. I don't think I don't think there was, you know, there's certain things you can pick out, little moments, and that's the way football is. But clearly it wasn't any kind of a butt kicking. I mean, the 49ers were right there. I think they're going to be the best team in the NFC again next year, but – but is that good enough? I don't know. And Killian, San Francisco Chronicle. I kind of wondered, too, if Kyle Shanahan's thinking was, my defense has just been on the field in the fourth quarter. You know, Mahomes, it was a drive. They were on the field for a while. Let's take the ball. Let's put, uh, let's get my defense on the sideline for a bit. You know, and I don't, and I, it bothered me a little bit that, the, that you know, the perception was that he didn't know the rules or the players didn't know the rules and the Chiefs were more prepared in that situation. But I, I agree with you. I just don't know if it matters if Patrick Mahomes is, you know, and if you go first and get seven, you know, Patrick Mahomes might go first and get go second and go eight, get eight, you know, and like just beat you eight to seven in the overtime. Right. So exactly, uh, you know. they they would know they had to go for two. So um, I I think I think uh, he did right after the game. He didn't really talk about the defense, but yesterday he did concede that you know he knew that they were pretty gassed and they'd been out there for a long time and been a really long drive to end regulation. So that was, and you could tell. I mean, I kept seeing shots of them on the sideline, you know, coming off the field on and off, and they looked, they looked gassed. Um, so that's probably part of it. He had analytics people who say, you know, this is the best thing to do, um, you know, which I think you could, you can kind of throw up the whole. He knew exactly what the overtime rules are. I don't know where this thing has started that Kyle didn't know what the overtime rules are. He knew what they were, and John, you've covered sports long enough. Does it matter if the players don't know exactly what the rules are? No. Not at all. No. I mean, the, if, if, it's, it's like a dirty little secret. <laughs> players don't know the rules of all sorts of things that are happening in sports. I can't tell you how many times in a post-game locker room we've said, well, what about this? And they're like, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, um, you know, their job is to do their job. They get out there and they do their job, and, and they're not thinking about strategy. They're not thinking about, oh, if this happens and this happens. That's that's the coach's job, and he was thinking about that. So, yeah, I don't think it really matters what the what the players knew or didn't know. I've covered three Pac-12 championship games at that stadium, and, 
you know, it's it's a nice uh, atmosphere, but it's not a Super Bowl. How did Vegas do with the Super Bowl? Um, well, I think the reviews are probably going to be very good. I was in Vegas for eight days, which is about seven and a half days too long from my point of view. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is not my town at any level. I think, um, you know, one of the things about about like I thought it would be good because everything's compacted, right? Like there's the strip and most things happen on the strip, but, but it wasn't that way in reality because the teams were staying 45 minutes away from the strip out in the Lake Las Vegas, wherever that is. And um, so we had to go out there. They had to be bused all around for their practice facilities. Um, there, I heard estimates between 350 and 500,000 people came into Vegas just to be there, not to go to the game, wow. to be there. And so it was just the congestion. Um, it was it was pretty intense. If you like Vegas, you might have loved it. Um, I did not love it. Next year it's in New Orleans, which actually is a compact little Super Bowl city. That's, that's always – to me, that's the best Super Bowl city. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was okay, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Did but, you have to stand uh, in long know, lines, long lines in congested uh, casinos? Long lines, lots of lines for food. Yeah, to everyone. I, I'm not a gambler. Uh, you know, every every casino was packed with people lighting their own money on fire all the time. <laughs> I just I don't understand it. So uh, yeah, I mean, and the you know the stadium's nice. Um, the stadium worked pretty well, I would say, for the most part, from our you know our point of view. I, I don't know what the what the players thought about. I mean, there was, there were problems, you know, the 49ers had a big issue with their field problem with their field uh, that they were practicing on. That was a real problem. And, you know, I, things like that shouldn't happen when the league is spending so much money and making so much money um, on these players. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was fine. Uh, It was cold and rainy most of the time. So, you know, I don't think that was kind of what they envisioned, but uh you know, I, I, I think it was a it was a fine city. Um, you know, there's New Orleans is next and then Levi's is gonna be after that and mm. Levi's is not a great place to no. host the Super Bowl no. as we found out uh, a few years ago. So yeah, I don't it's just the the event has just gotten it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and this was probably the biggest of all and it's so in a place like Vegas it's just excess upon excess you know i mean it's the most excessive sporting event in the world in the most excessive city so yeah it was it was a lot and killian san francisco chronicle columnist follow her on twitter at ann killian thank you for your work thank you for your good heart and your friendship and thank you okay john good to talk to you there you go and killian uh from the san francisco chronicle so good and, uh, you know, she's written books. She's been a columnist at the Mercury News, was a colleague of mine when I worked in San Jose for just a uh, blink and uh, respect the heck out of her work. And uh, obviously you hear what kind of person she is. Our big splash is coming up. Leave it here. We got Punch It Audio coming up top of the hour. Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, talking expansion. Bo Nix in the NFL draft. Where is Joel Klatt projecting him? You'll hear it in Klatt's words as part of Punch It Audio. Plus, uh, uh, Taylor Swift, I don't know why, makes some people angry. Super Bowl ratings way up, record ratings. No, more people watch the Super Bowl than any event since the lunar landing. 
And uh, female viewers were up nearly 10% over last year's Super Bowl. It's the Taylor Swift effect. And yet, people continue to rant and be upset about Taylor Swift being around the Super Bowl. You'll hear more of that coming up top of the hour as well. Uh, In the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to talk about the transition to the Big Ten Conference. Uh, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, USC making that transition. Of course, uh, Utah and the two Arizona schools going to the Big 12. And Stanford and Cal off to the ACC. Oregon State, Washington State busy making plans trying to get rid of Conference Commissioner George Klyovkov. They are now negotiating and uh, expediting his departure. I wrote all about Klyovkov's legacy, his biggest mistake, which I think was his failure to manage his bosses. See, the com- Conference Commissioners, their part of their job is to manage the room, manage their board. Well, I wrote all about Klyovkov today at johnconzano.com. I think he failed to manage his board. Like any good attorney is managing a client. You have to manage that client. Uh, Klyovkov did not manage his bosses. Did a bad job. And and some will say his bosses didn't want to be managed. That's okay. That's still the job. It's a hard job, but you got to do it. All right. Uh, we uh, give you our big splash. We do this every day. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The big splash. Brought to you by Keller Burger, home of the peanut butter pickle bacon burger and voted best burger five years in a row. Killer Burger, the burgers your mama warned you about. Well, the Patrick, uh, Patrick Mahomes and his Chiefs teammates celebrated today their back-to-back Super Bowl championship. Patrick Mahomes calling for a three-peat. No, for real, though, we appreciate everything y'all do. Showing up to Arrowhead every single week. We know we had to go on the road last year, but I promise you next year we'll be at home, and we're going for that three-piece. So don't get it, forget it. Don't get it twisted. We're doing it. Three times, first time in NFL history, we're doing it. Love y'all. Sounds locked in, says he's promising they'll do it at home. Of course, the uh, parade and the rally was marred with a shooting incident. Uh, multiple arrests. One person confirmed killed. Uh, eyewitnesses on the ground talking about what happened? Listen here. All of a sudden, people started crushing forward. Everybody started running. There was screaming. We didn't know what was happening, but this day and age when people run, you run. And so I put my arms around her and we tried to push through so people wouldn't run on top of us. And there was a woman crying, saying something about somebody had been shot. Um, of course, it's hard to know, is it a singular incident or is there an active shooter? But we got pushed all the way up to Union Station where they had gated everything off so you couldn't get in for the chiefs. And everybody Everybody started jumping the um, rails and pushing everybody over. We got inside and we thought that, okay, it's calm now. We're inside. We'll be safe. And we had moved down the stairs so we could exit back out. And I told my, my daughter, let's just sit down for a minute in here and breathe because we don't have a car. We don't even know where to go. And about that time, people started running again. And some girls were saying um, there was shooting. All of a sudden, they all started coming running out. And then you see all this policemen come running in there. Um, and you knew something happened in the station. You knew something happened inside while everybody was coming out. Yeah, this is shocking because this is supposed to be a, a joyous occasion. Now, the latest reports saying one killed, at least one killed, more than 20 injured. Three people remain in critical condition. Shots fired near the end of the parade. Uh, NBC News reporting uh, that uh, three people are in custody. 
They do not believe the motive was terrorism, but let's debate what is terrorism. I think you pull a gun out at a parade, you're a terrorist. Uh, witnessed, uh, witnesses uh, reporting that, um, that uh, it was chaos, as you heard there. Um, shouldn't happen. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't happen. This makes me sad for our country. Makes me sad, uh, you know, frankly, that uh, kids go to school and have to practice the lockdown drills in that, you know, you and I go into stadiums and we look around and go, is it safe in here? And then we go to an airport and we, you know, this is just, uh, this is uh, an evolving world that we're in. And it makes me sad for us that uh, you've got acts of violence in public places like this and uh, makes no sense to me. I'll never understand it. And, you know, I don't want to sound like one of those people that's saying, oh, my childhood was better than you know, the childhood today. But I have to worry about this. I don't know what my biggest worry was in childhood, like coming home and, you know, I was thinking about, you know, what, what I, who was going to play out in the backyard with me. Like, I, you know, I, what games we were going to play, what cartoons did I miss? Like, you know, I, didn't, I just didn't live in a world that had uh, some of this complication and danger to it. And uh, makes me sad for us. Makes me sad for uh, whatever comes next. And it's uh, it's just infuriating that this stuff, this kind of stuff, continues to happen. Uh, Four o'clock hour. We will uh, start with punch it audio, and uh, and uh, we will go uh, in the five o'clock hour. Have a conversation about the transition to the Big Ten. Anna will be along on this Valentine's Day. Uh, I don't know if you took care of business. I happen to be over at the grocery store today, and uh, I saw a whole bunch of people having the same idea. People were buying flowers and buying cards and buying chocolate, and I was thinking it's okay to be trite. It's okay to be a copycat on this day. Sometimes you got to check the box. Now, where do you stand on the social media post to your significant other is a whole nother conversation. Anna and I had a deep conversation about this today. Does it, uh, you know, does it, uh, is it poor form? to post on social media, oh, you're my Valentine and a picture of your significant other, uh, or is that to be expected, or is it uh, is that for other people? Like, I'm okay with the birthday celebration posts. Like, I actually think that the birthday celebration post says, hey, here's my significant other. It's their birthday. If you didn't know it, help me celebrate and wish you know, Anna, a happy birthday, and then people will pile on. But it always has confused me a little bit on Valentine's Day because the act of recognizing a person as, hey, you're my Valentine, that's a one-to-one transaction, right? Like, like that's you to me, me to you. That's, that you know, your significant other. That's not, that's not like for the rest of us. And yet we see a lot of people putting it out there. And then Anna said, I agree with you. But she said, in the world of like suburban moms picking up kids from school that, you know, she lives in at three o'clock or whatever, she's like, you know, you do kind of notice the people who aren't wishing each other a happy Valentine's Day. And I said, you know, I'm not doing this for other people, nor should you have to do it for other people. Stephen, where do you stand on the idea of the public social media Valentine's post for your significant other? Yeah, no, I, I think with Valentine's Day, it, if you're married, like, that's expected, right? Like, it's expected that that person would be your Valentine, no matter who it is. Like, and so for me, I'm not down with the Valentine post. I get the birthday post. Like like you said, it, you're celebrating that person's birthday. Maybe people don't know that. But I think if you are on social media at all, like, and you're married, 
people will know that. And so they know who your Valentine's going to be. But Do they, though? Are people going to talk? They're going to be like, oh, they're on the rocks. I don't know. You know I, John didn't post they should. Anna they, Valentine's Day post. They should. They should know. <laughs> they should be better than that. But I'm with you. They, it, Valentine's Day, I'm out on it, but uh, I'm down with the birthday post, Just I guess. tune in at, for the 5 at 5 and see where it goes today, and you'll know. Maybe they'll, you'll, you'll know be fighting. Sure. Who knows? <laughs> you'll know for sure. But I like the birthday post I get, and I also get the anniversary post. Because the, the anniversary post is about, hey, so we're celebrating this union, and hey, look how long we've been married, and that can be a public thing. Like you invite people to your wedding. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.